calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Yeah, yo, check it out. This rapper Big Pua right now. You are checking out Rebel Radio. Only for the rebellious, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh? Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. Hey, what's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio. I'm your host, Josh Levine. My guest in the studio today is the rapper Big Pooh. He was a member of Little Brother, which was kind of supposed to be the next generation's Tribe Called Quest before they abruptly broke up. Uh, and now we caught him in Los Angeles when he was on tour with the Beat Nuts. He came by the studio to share some tidbits of wisdom with us. He gives us some great insights into what he learned about how to make partnerships work, um, how he's copes with stage fright. I'm not sure he's totally overcome it, but he, he makes it work anyway for him. And a great story about how Apple used to bring people together and no longer does. Good stuff coming up from Big Poo right after our EDM.com track of the week. I just want to welcome um, my buddy on the stage. He's been out of rehab for uh, four days now. He's doing well. But anyway, um, I mean, I'll, I'll, let, I'll, I'll let him speak for you, okay? Hey guys, I'm, I'm Death Manic. Listen. Take a drag of the spliff. I've been raging, but I've been patient. I've been doing my shit, trying to escape all the fakeness. But it's better than these. All the gifts I'm a getter, and I'm sorry for what I did. I love you no matter, but let me really slow it down another tone. So you can understand what I'm doing home But it's crazy, I never rocked the Mercedes I've been doing this lately Trying to catch me up a lady But damn, let me really know what is up with you I'm just trying to get up to Yo, that's our EDM.com track of the week That's Def Manic with a track called Manic's Joint Rebel Radio is brought to you in partnership with EDM.com Make sure you check out EDM.com for all types of music uh, including hip-hop and all the other stuff that you might love. And now let's get into the interview with rapper Big Poo. Okay, cool. Yeah, good stuff. Well, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you making time on tour. It's all good. Thank you. Um, we just had your man on and it was a great it was a great talk and you know talked about some of the, the artists he's working with and stuff so okay. you know i'm excited to, to kind of dig into it um yeah. and you know i've been a, i've been a fan of the, the music you're doing for a long time wow thank you thank and uh you know i was at herb magazine back oh wow uh when when uh, little brother first came out wow. and all that and so you know seeing you guys come up and, and make it happen and now doing it on your own it's, it's good it's been, it's been good to watch so i'm excited to kind of learn how it goes that's what it is um so take us back to the beginning i always love to start with just how you how you got uh into music first even as a fan like uh, where, where did the that beginning love... beginning yeah the very um, like do you do you remember the first records that that you loved 
Um, I don't know about loved. I I know I definitely remember uh, dancing to "It Takes Two" by Rob Bass, and DJ Easy Rock a lot. Okay. Uh, dance competitions. But um, what was the first music where you felt like this is my music? Like not your parents or probably was in uh, ninety three, ninety four when I heard uh, Nas Illmatic. Like yeah. I was 13, yeah. 14 years old, and uh, I had a friend that was from New York, and he used to always come down and bring music, yeah, and share the music with me. You know, obviously this is predates internet and all For that sure. good stuff. So yeah, that's how I got my music. And when I heard Nas, I was like, that's it. Like I want to be him. Yeah, <laughs> and he he write because I always was in writing poetry and okay. short stories before and stuff. that. Before that, so when I heard him, I was like, that's who I want to be. Like that guy speaking. For me, is that right, right there? So, yeah. And when did you write your first raps? Probably around that same time. Okay. No, it was it that? Maybe a little bit before then. I tried to. Okay. I had a group, me and my man Josh, who I actually just reconnected with on Facebook. Okay. Um, we had a group called the Ill Folk Freakers. Okay. And uh, I don't know what it meant, but it just sounded <laughs> cool. And we tried writing raps, and, and I had this this guy my mom knew who did music and. He would, he would tell me like you know practice you gotta practice looking at yourself in the mirror and and all that good stuff but I don't I don't know music just like always been a part of me like mm-hmm. none of my parents do music right none of that sure. I don't have any as far as I know famous musicians in my family but uh-huh. it's just always been a part of me yeah and and uh, that was in Charlotte nah actually that's in Virginia I'm from Northern oh, okay. Virginia originally okay uh, I moved to North Carolina to go to college and never left but. So what was happening in in Virginia as far as, like, hip-hop scene? Go-go music was happening where I lived at. Like, I was a big go-go music fan, Junkyard, Backyard, man, Northeast Groovers, Rare Asses. So I wanted to be the front man in a go-go band. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Like, that's when you knew you made it, when you you was able to play them clubs with Uh a go-go band because the the rappers used to come. Right. Like, when you came through D.C., you had to come see the big bands yeah. and perform with this. I remember hearing Red Man on tape. So I remember, you know, just some of my favorite rappers would come through and That's do cool. stuff with the go-go band. Yeah. yeah. And so do you remember your first time up on stage? Hell yeah. Remember it. I was so nervous. Like a lot of people don't know. Like I have stage fright. Okay. Like I have a phobia of speaking in front of the weirdest thing. Like small groups of people. Right. And then being on stage because all the attention is on you. Right. And and I and I even say it a lot of times when I perform. Like when we like when you have people that's not well known or they don't know. You know they didn't come to see the openers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it takes a lot to step on stage because you're at your most vulnerable point. For sure. Especially when you're up there by yourself. So, like, for me, I remember getting on stage and and luckily I had, you know, somebody with me. I had a partner with me in Fonte. But just watching him, he was a natural at it. But for me, I had to work because I was too busy worried about what are these people thinking? What are they saying right now? What if I mess up? And the slightest moment my mind slips, like I'll like I can lose my place of where I'm at. And yeah. it, it takes a millisecond. And I remember I never forget, um, first time no, not first time, but first time we headlined in New York City. We was at SOBs. Okay. And we were doing the record and we hadn't performed the yo yo live before. And so we were doing the Yo Yo Live for the first time in New York City, headline of SOBs. And I get up there and I'm so nervous. And then I'm I'm freaked out because people know the words and they're saying them back to me and I'm looking at people. And I just lose it. Like, I lose my place. I don't know where I'm at. And I start to try to freestyle. And I said, like, the same, like, three lines for 16 bars pretty much. And that was probably the most embarrassing moment, like, of my career. Just And it was nothing but the stage fright. Like, I wasn't comfortable 
at that point. So, so um, what do you do now? Is that still a thing? Or I mean, not as major as yeah. as it used to be, but now I know how to clean it up. Like yeah. I've, I've, I've worked at it, worked on the confidence, and you know, I mean, I still mess up, but it's not as noticeable as before. Like I know how to clean it up better now. As mm-hmm. posted in, I would just freak out. I go into shock. Yeah. Now it's like, hey, it's, it's part of the game. So when you go up there the first time and you're having this stage fright, like, do you come off, like, how do you come away from that and feel like I want to do this again? Cause it's a high, it's yeah. a rush. It's like, what uh, what Jay Z say, uh, fame is the worst drug known to man, and and uh-huh. it's it's a part of fame, but it's just it's a rush about it, right. and and either some people it's like some people with roller coasters, like sure. Some people love, I hate roller coasters, but some Me people too. get a high off roller coasters. Right. And the stage is the same way. Like, once you go up there, you're either going to figure out, I don't want to do this anymore, or, oh, I got to do it again. Uh-huh. And and the crazy, like, even now, I've been doing this for, you know, over a decade. Yeah. I hate the traveling part. Uh-huh. I hate the living out the bag part. I hate the eating crappy part. Right. But getting on that stage every night. I could be dead, tired, sick. Like, even this tour that I'm on now, I done hurt the arch in my foot. My knee been banged up. I yeah. just caught a coat, whatever. But I will not, when I get on that stage, you can't tell anything is wrong with me. And it's that high. It's that rush. Mm-hmm. So when did you know, um, like, was it, was it uh, you know, was the feedback, was it immediate? Like, you knew that, that this is what you were going to do? Or when when did you feel like this is what you were going to do for a living? Um, I think when when I met Fonte and Ninth and some of the other guys, uh, Big Doe, Sean Don, um, I just saw how some of them guys were so passionate about it. Like, they had that it's this or it's nothing attitude. Whereas yeah. me, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> and, you know, making yeah. music with people in college. Ah, this is... I didn't look at it as a career as right. they did, but just seeing the passion they had, the drive that they had, and then yeah. the natural talent that they had, it made me want to work hard. Like, I'm a competitor by nature, so it made me want to work hard mm-hmm. and catch up because I was behind. And um, once I started, you know, we started making music. When Little Brother finally formed and I heard what we had, like, it, it kind of scared me because it was like, yo, I didn't know mm-hmm. I could be part of something this good. Yeah, And... At that point, I was like, I think this is real. Like, this could be something. Don't know how long it's going to take. Don't know where it's going to take me, but I think it could be something. And that was around 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. And um, so once we started working on what would become the listening, it's, it's like that confidence was building yeah. to, to, to finally be like, oh, <clears throat> this really could be something. This really could support me. Skin. Your body smelling like cinnamon, hair in the bun, your toes done so feminine. Hurt to suck your teeth like oh no, here we go again. I just my, I got one track. Mm-hmm. One track mine, whatever it's called, I got just focused in on it and uh and it ended up happening. It happened quicker than what I thought it was gonna happen. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I we was ready to sell tapes out the trunk, you know, <laughs> old school and you know, that's what we was planning for. And yeah. then that was like a lot of people don't realize, like, we was at the forefront of the internet revolution where somebody from Oakland, California heard some music that of ours that was put up on a message board and called somebody they knew in North Carolina to ask about us, put us in touch, and we ended up getting our first deal because somebody in Oakland heard our stuff on the internet. That, that's Benny B? Benny B. So Benny... Um... Well, he wasn't the one who called us. Okay. Uh, this uh, cat that was working for him, Ian Davis. Okay. At the time. I feel like I know Ian. And he he uh, called him ID. He okay. uh, he was working know. for him at the time. He I heard don't know, us. But Benny grew up the house across the street from my grandmother. Crazy. So like I'm a, I'm a bit older than him, but but when I used to go visit them, I used to play with his his big brother. Wow. Uh, like all you know from like five years old on. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and then we didn't see, and then I saw him at a at a music conference, and we didn't know like it took. I mean, it had been like twenty years, right, right, right. And we were you know real little, so we didn't even recognize each other. It took a while to like 
put all that together. That's crazy. Yeah, it's funny. That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, so you got in this group with two other guys, right? And you guys weren't friends before that. Nah, we. I mean, well, we we were. We we all met in college at different point in times. Okay. Uh, Nineteen ninety eight, my freshman year, Fonte sophomore year, ninth had started school in ninety three because he's older than both of us. Left, went to another school, came back. So it was his first year back at that school, oh, cool. North Carolina Central. Yeah. And um I know the story of how Tay and Knife met. Um it was moving in day and Knife had a magazine, source magazine, uh-huh. and Tay saw it and was like, Let me see it and then right. they started I mean, those two are just music junkies, like yeah. music nerds. That's all they do all day. Yeah. Uh me and Tay met uh my actually half of my first semester, my freshman year, I stayed in the hotel. Like okay. I stayed in the Marriott because oh, wow. dorms, we, they had more students than they had space because two dorms weren't finished building. Yeah. They hadn't built them yet. And so when I finally moved into the dorm, I ended up moving on the hall with two people. Um, one who's ended up being like, he's like a good friend of mine now, a RA, and then the other person, a good friend. I was in one of their rooms because I always gravitated towards older people. So I was in that room. And Fonte comes in and he was like, "Yeah, man, I uh, I wrote this rap for English class, man. I wanna wanna spit it for you. Let me see." And because he was playing football at the time, and he was like, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna quit playing football." Because he was on the academic scholarship. Yeah. He just liked playing football, and he spit it. And I remember the rhyme was uh, it was a the the title of the rhyme was called "No Apologies." Mm-hmm. And I remember he spit the rhyme, and I was like, "Whoa, like that's crazy." And we ended up yeah. meeting, and yeah. to this day. I mean, we wrote in the same circle. I still don't remember the day, I, the, the time I met Knife. Right. Like, sure. but I just remember being in that room and Tay spitting that rhyme, and I was like, yeah, I got to know who this is. Like, this is crazy. I mean, it's funny you say, like, you know, about the source. I, You know, I wrote for the source around that time, actually. Mm. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I remember that when, like, hip-hop, like, not everybody was into hip-hop. Right. And so when you saw another cat that was carrying a source, like, that's your badge, something. right? Yeah. Right, or a certain sneaker that, like, because everybody didn't have that. Yep. And then you would know, like, that there's a connection there. And is that <coughs> is that gone, or or does that still happen? Nah, that's gone now. Because yeah. <laughs> you don't have, now you don't have that thing that, right. You know, like you said, like you look and be like, "Oh, he got that." Oh right. man, I, I know what you were into. Right. You don't. You can't tell anymore. Yeah. And it's the all the lines are blurred. Yeah. So, um, that was that was definitely a special moment. Like just to have sure. that, you yeah. know, because you knew what was in the magazine. At you know, you knew what type of music you were going to find in there, and yeah. so you knew if that person had that magazine, they were into what you were into. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't think you have too much of that anymore. No, I don't see it, <clears throat> and I think it's like it's a little unfortunate because because it, it's like that. Like you said, it's a special moment, right? When you discover, like, I, you know, I don't know this person, but but we're there's something yes. we're connected. We connected. You know, I, I think that's that's a, a a larger, you know, that speaks to a larger problem within where we at now, where they things like that encourage you to socialize for sure. Now yeah. they discourage you. Yeah, it's a socialize. Exactly. Like I remember when you used to like if you would go into a spot and see another cat with an Apple, like laptop or something mm-hmm. before phones, right? But if you go into a Starbucks and you saw somebody with an Apple, you'd be like, okay, like you know, we're on the same wavelength yeah. as far as aesthetics, yeah. whatever. Well, you'd be like, oh man, you must either you do some art. Do exactly. something exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Now it's just that's just it's, now everybody. It's an accessory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's an accessory now. Exactly. That's funny. So I'm I'm curious uh, about partnerships, mm-hmm. and I know you know you guys had had a great partnership that you know did its thing and then it ended, and so, um, but I'm always like amazed that anybody can make any kind of partnership work. It's tough. Yeah. Stuff it's, it's like I tell people it's like uh it's like being married. 
And then so the more people you have in the situation, it's the more people you marry to. Absolutely. And that's when I I realized I couldn't be a polygamist because I was in the group. (laughs) And That's hilarious. (laughs) It's like, because, you know, it's funny to me, like, people always, you know, when they comment about, you know, little brother specifically is, oh man, we y'all, we need y'all to make some music, and y'all just put that, put y'all BS to the side or whatever. Right. It's like, you don't understand. It's, it's not that simple. Yeah. It's like you have three grown men with three different personalities, with three different ideas, goals, mm-hmm. life structures. You know, everything is different. Mm-hmm. What what made us the same was the music we made. Sure, that was about it. Like, other than that, right. me and Knife, we got sports in common. That was about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Tay, we just had the music we made in common. Like, mm-hmm. so, it, you know, after that, you know, it was just like, you know, it, it's tough to go, like, I applaud groups that can last. But even when you around certain groups, you know, and you see how they operate, you're like, yeah, see? This is basically where I was, where my group was at. We just said, forget it. We're not gonna keep operating like this. Sure. Where other people be like, I ain't gotta talk to them. I just, we just meet up and get this money, and right. that'd be that. And, yeah. and you know, for for fans, they don't know that other side. They just say, oh yeah, they still love, they on stage. And it's not a lack of love. Mm-hmm. It's not a lack of I don't care. It's just like you know what, I'm good on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I I can't I can't do this any longer. So. It, it the partner it, like it's tough. Like being in the group is so tough because you have to compromise a lot, and people don't know, understand how much you have to compromise to make that group setting work. And when you don't have anything, and when you're starting, it's easy. Sure. As you build, yeah, it's all upside. It's all upside. But as you build, and you start to attain more, mm-hmm. and you meet different people, and you experience different things. It gets harder and harder and harder and harder. And for us, it, it didn't happen immediately, but like for like even me and Tay talked about it, like we kind of stopped for our personal relationship purposes. Mm-hmm. Like we saw it getting to a point where that was damaging, damaging our brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And it's and it still ended up taking a toll. On that, and it took us a while to sure. reconcile that, but it, it was just, it was like, yo, this is, this is, this is killing us. So, when, when did you realize that it was time to move on? Or, like, what, what happened, or what was the, uh, I mean, it probably was around, uh, when was it, uh, what was it, 2009, I think it was. Eight or nine, two thousand nine, probably, and I think we just realized we were moving in entirely two separate directions, mm-hmm. and uh, and it and it took us a while to really be honest about it um, to each other. But I think we just realized we were just we were going. I wanted one thing, he wanted another thing. I wanted to move one way, he wanted to move one way, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, it was we didn't really know how to communicate that with each other. Yeah. And, you know, of course other things happened in the midst of that. And, and I think that's when we both kind of knew like, yeah, this is probably it. <laughs> like, so, so, I mean, it happened kind of like, I guess what I want to ask is like, how, first of all, how big did it get before then? How big did what get? Like did little brother get, uh, like, what would you say was the moment? Like the, the pinnacle, the pinnacle. Probably uh, Atlantic, the Atlantic time, like uh, when we dropped the mystery show, like between the mystery show and drop and get back. Yeah. Um, that probably was the pinnacle. I got a problem with you. Speaking gossip, talk about what you know, nothing in this nonsense. That's a Bronson, Charlie, take precaution. Get you sold on the block, no, not an auction. Dilly departing. I mean, we got, it, it, was, it was decent. I mean, once again, it was different, different time. Like, right. we, Always said we were kind of like in the middle, like we missed the raucous years, mm-hmm. but we were before, obviously, like the Kendrick Lamars and yeah. even you know, 
kind of before the Kanye West, before he really took off. So we were kind of like in the middle, that shade in the middle. So while we weren't unnoticed, we didn't get our just due either because it was kind of a people it was that era where people was like no we don't want to see people being themselves like right. that doesn't make sense to us yeah and now it's like oh yeah it makes perfect sense just be yourself that was us before all these other people started being whatever versions of themselves they are so i mean that's so interesting that you say that because i think you know it's popular to think in the music business about trends as almost a bad thing like if you're following the trend or you're being part of that right right and you know but but the reality is you're right that if you know if you were assigned to raucous at the time when raucous is having all of its success different level you have a huge advantage right yep. if you're part of native tongues or even you sound like native tongues right like you know people got all excited about the far side because they were a west coast version version of, of that yep. sound right that people already wanted and and i don't think they went out to create that like intentionally right but, but you benefit from it exactly but yeah that, that's really interesting i i never really thought about that i, I think about it all the time i because yeah. you, you get you kind of get caught and you realize it when you meet all these different artists and they were like oh man i love what y'all did or you know, the younger guys, I grew up on y'all, whatever have you, and, and then you start noticing the effect. Like, you don't notice it in the moment, but right. you notice it later. Like, damn, we really had a huge effect sure. on a lot of what people hear now, you know. So were you hearing that at the time or that came later on? It started coming towards the end. We yeah. were we were on the uh, descent at sure. that point. And when, when I started hearing it, and... What was the, who, like, who... Who were like the big surprises that that you had impacted? Um, I don't know if it was necessarily surprises. I mean, because it's been people we work with. Like, mm -hmm. um, I, I had a you know very good working relationship with Kendrick Lamar. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we had a brief working relationship with Drake. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I mean, people don't even realize he one of his songs on the I think it's So Far Gone mixtape. He gave us the slum village a shout out oh, like the funny thing is i'm writing this in my head and she asleep on my shoulder like, like and um you know that and then i've i've heard other artists like a big sean or whoever like you know i know wale of course he worked with knife mm -hmm. a lot like just different cats like on that level like that you see on a certain level now and you like they've been influenced by what we did and for people of now they may not know it sure but yeah. it's just like that was that came i mean obviously we were influenced by who we were influenced by and then they were influenced by us and this and it's crazy but like i said we just got caught in that shade where sure. you know we missed the early boat but we was too early for the new boat. <laughs> so we kind of was on a raft right. in the middle of the ocean. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and it, I mean, it's, it's, it sucks to be in that position, but it's also, it's, it's cool as well because where fans may not know or realize, all, all I'm not saying everybody, but some may not know or realize, you know, and then the artists, when you meet them, they give you your proper respect. So, Absolutely. you know, it, it still feel good. So when... Tell, tell me about the lessons that you took from that partnership. You know, when it ended, what did you take away from it that you would bring into the next phase? Um, I learned how to be a better communicator. Okay. I mean, any any partnership, relationship, anything, it's about communication at the end of the day. And I learned that part of our problem was we didn't know how to communicate certain things to each other. So mm -hmm. I had, moving forward, I had to be open and be willing to communicate whatever it is I was feeling with business partner, another rap partner, whatever it was, I had to be willing to do that. Yeah. Because I wanted to avoid that situation again. And I wanted to cut things off at the pass. You know, like if it's not gonna work, it's not gonna work. Or sure. and um and I think that was probably the biggest thing was just learning how to be a better communicator. Uh because I learned a lot. Like, you know, you don't always learn by somebody physically stopping to teach you, but yeah, you just pick up certain things. And I think we all took 
little pieces from what we had and implemented them, but then we were able to implement our own ideas of what we felt was right mm -hmm. along the way when we were able to separate. Because like I said, when you come up with guys, when y'all go from nothing to something, it's, you can't tell a person that you started with nothing with when y'all get something what they should be doing now. Right. Yeah. It's tough. You can't be like... You should be doing X, Y, Z. Like, bro, we we was eating grilled cheese sandwiches together. Like, what are you talking about? But once you, <laughs> when you get people, new people that haven't experienced what you've experienced, now you can kind of dictate, yeah. you know, a little differently to them. And and I think that's what we all eventually ended up doing. But what I, what I also realized is I think, obviously, we missed out on a lot. Money, probably some fame. A couple other things, but I think it made us all better being in our own space. Like, we were all able to flourish where you wouldn't have been able to flourish necessarily mm -hmm. in the setting yeah. we were in. Because, yeah. um, once again, you're compromising. Once you don't have that compromise anymore, you're able to really bloom and, and you can become a bunch of different things. So how is it different, obviously, when you're in a group, like everything you do is a collaboration? and then For the most part, yeah. Right? And then, then you move into being a solo artist where there's still a lot of collaboration, right? But, but is, how is that different? The collaboration is different because it, now you have veto power. Mm. Like it ends and begins with you. Right. So, um, you know, like I can work with, you know, producer or whatever, and we can be working on a record. And at the end of the day, whatever I want, you know, I can get. Right. <laughs> I can be yeah. that guy and get it. But yeah. whereas when you're in a group, you got to come to a consensus. Or somebody's just going to be like, nah, we're going to do it this way. And now you got other people who are going to be pissed off because it's like, I ain't, ain't even listening to what I'm saying. You don't got to worry about that when you're not in a group. Yeah. It's like, I don't mind collaborating, but at the end of the day, I'm going to get the result I want to get. And, and I think that's the big difference. And I, some people prefer it that way. Right. Um, me, I just, because I come from the collaborative setting, I still like to do it that way. I think I make my best music that way, where you may not, it's not necessarily a group, but I have producer in there. I have mm -hmm. other guy, other artists, and, you know, I get opinions and bounce ideas off of. Why is that better for you? Um, I, I think it's just, it may, not even, it may be more comfortable than better. Okay. Like, that's just, because that's how, sure. you know, I started. I did it that way for so many years, and to... I mean, I can go into my hole and I can do things on my own. And I just, I think I have more fun when I'm doing it with other people uh, as opposed to me doing it by myself. It feels like work mm -hmm. when I'm by myself. It feels like fun when I'm doing it with other people. Okay. That's cool. And and so, um, what, so what's the... What do you think the biggest upside now that you've been a solo artist for for a long time now? Like what's the big upside and downside to that? Uh the the downside for me specifically is now after all this time it's like I I missed I miss what we had. Like I miss I think we missed uh time mm. you know as as a group is i always say like we fought so hard and then right when we got to the point where we was about to break through that wall to where all of the riches were we kind of said ah we tired we done it's like that picture with the guy the digging the tunnels and the one guy stops yeah. <laughs> right when he's right there it's like right. we we was that guy yeah. it's like ah throw the pitchfork down we done we quit and, and um, you know, I always thinking about that. But like I said earlier, just being, just doing it by myself, I learned a lot about who I was. Um, I just, I learned a lot, period. And I think it made me a better person and a better artist, being able to go do it on my own. Yeah. And now I'm able to help younger guys a lot better than I probably would have been able to do it before. Uh, because I've experienced the highs, the lows, group, solo, sure. like all all the different things. And I, I catch myself sometimes when I'm talking to young guys, and I know they be like, 
damn man, you got a story for everything. And it's and I I'm like, I really do got a story for almost everything because uh -huh. I've because of the way my career went, I've been in different positions and I've experienced a lot. So um I think that that's benefiting me as I transition into the next phase of my career, which is managing and and I'm is able that right? to, Yeah. Okay. And I'm able to help, you know, right now I have one artist, I'm able to help him a lot more because I have those different experiences to lean on. Yeah. And and then I come from a creative background, so it's like I can assist yeah. you there, but I also know business and I can go do that. And and I think it just made me more well rounded and prepared for that for that phase. So how did you make that decision to go into management? Uh it took me a while to make it. Like I always since day one, I've been hands on. Like always wanted to know why certain things were done, what being done, why we're doing it, what's the proper way to do this, what's the proper way to do that. Wanna know about merchandise. I wanted to know about everything. And and it wasn't even a thing of I don't trust the person that's doing it. Mm -hmm. It's just what well, I just wanna know. And as the more I knew, the more I liked it. It was like, yo, I actually like being able to handle this stuff. Yeah. And even like later in Little Brother, towards the end, I was doing a lot of the role managing myself. Like okay. even for tours, when we had tours, like I was booking um, flights, I was booking hotels, I was, wow. you know, taking care of different things. And, you know, then towards the end, I was collecting the money. I was doing the, uh, you know, the setting up with the promoters. I was doing all that stuff. So... Um, at that point, I realized I was like, "Oh man, this would be kind of cool later." Yeah. And then I started getting a lot of younger guys. I mean, people always hit me and want me to listen to their music, or whatever. But I started connecting with with younger guys and becoming more like a mentor, mm -hmm. and you know, just giving them game and listening to records and giving them pointers and and things of that nature. And I started noticing it was happening a lot. And it was a lot of good talent that, that was coming yeah. through. And um, my manager, who's now my business partner, though, he always was like, you know, whenever, you, whenever you're ready, I think you'll actually be a good manager, whenever you're ready to do it. And he probably told me that a couple years ago. And it got to the point now where I was like, I think I'm ready. Like, I, um, young kid, King Mez, um, yeah, I got him. Yeah, I got him over there with uh, Dre. Uh -huh. uh, I made that link for that. Nice. Um, another kid, Jalen Santoy, uh, uh, he got a single that's circulating on radio. But I, he ended up going with Empire to do this record, but he had, like, major labels looking at him. I was helping him. Um, it's another young kid out of North Carolina named McKills that I'm, I'm working with. And then the guy who I actually ended up officially managing who I manage now, his name is Luke. Okay. He actually just finished, just uh, signed a deal at the end of last year with Dreamville and Interscope. The city birthed me only right that I raised my brother. Why hate I got faith in my brothers? For God's sake, show love for your motherfucking brother because them boys making noise. just one I was just like, man, all these young guys, and they just coming through. And I was like, yeah, I think it's the time now. And... I just said, I just, with Luke, I was like, look, man, I'm stepping on a leap of faith here. You know, I think I can help you. Uh, I know this, I know that. I don't know this, I don't know that. Mm -hmm. If I don't know it, I can find it. Like, mm -hmm. And, you know, I just kept it, kept it 100 with him. And, yeah. and he was like, you know what, I trust you. Like, we had worked together for a while, but he was like, yo, I trust you. And, mm -hmm. you know, that trust is paying off. Is that a good idea? Like, would you would you tell... Would you advise other artists to get <clears throat> to be not necessarily become managers like you're talking about, but like like the way you were with you know managing your own business? Uh, if you if you if you can handle it, yeah. I mean, I mean, because cause make no mistake, I do have, you know, he's my business partner now. Sure. He's more yeah, business yeah. <laughs> than me. I get so, it. like, it, it's still you know somebody there to 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 hold the reins. And steady the ship, but it's you need you can do it, but you need somebody to help you do it. Because there's times where, you know, even like now I'm on I'm out on the tour. Yeah. And like I can still do managerial stuff while I'm because I'm technically only on stage for forty five minutes. Right. So I could do other things, but yeah. 
you still need somebody that's thinking about them things that you're not thinking about because you're still have to be an artist yeah. for however long you have to be one. So how do you do you how do you separate those things? Like, you know, I think the music business is like you get successful because of one thing, mm-hmm. right? Which is your your talent and the product you create, right? And then you stay successful for something else which is your ability to manage your business. Right. And, you know, and and I think it's an interesting, it, it's a unique business where just about everything is outsourced. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, from the manager to label to booking to merchandise to business manager, like, every, you know, you're basically one person with a whole bunch of freelancers around you or, or contractors or whatever. You got to change that. Like you gotta, you gotta. I mean, you're not gonna be able to in-house everything, but you have to find out what is the most important and what's your base, and you have to make that in-house. Yeah. And then you outsource them other things. Sure. And that's, you know, I mean, that's the way we. That's our dynamic, you know, where we we figure out, okay, we could get this, 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 and this in-house, and then we get outsource this other stuff until. We find somebody that does something well, then now we, we're going to bring you in house. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to, yeah. we will, I'll rather form a partnership with you than continuously to outsource because we can make more money together in the partnership. You can make more money. Right. I can make more money. Yeah. And it's incentive for you to work just as hard as I'm going to work if it's a partnership as opposed to an outsourcing thing. So yeah. that's kind of how we, we try to do it is we, we start with a base and then we, continuously add on to the base mm-hmm. and to where we're not outsourcing as much as, you know, somebody else would. Sure. It's it's tough, though. But, you know, that's – I think it works better because it makes – like I said, you can't have somebody that treats it as just, oh, that's just a job. Right. You know, it's, it's 5 o'clock. I'm off. I'm off sure. the clock. That's where you run into problems. Yeah. So we yeah, try to. You can't, can't be off the clock in this business. Nah, you can't be. You're on the clock 24 7, 365. Yeah. You know, I remember I was, one Christmas, I was writing, uh, typing up album credits. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. on Christmas. So yeah. is this a job that doesn't end? And, um, sure. and you got to find people that's passionate and that's willing to go that extra mile. And, and, and hopefully y'all just the friendly competitive nature have y'all working hard and diligent and and the rewards will come like you don't know what those rewards are going to be you might not be set up you might not it might not be in you to be a super duper megastar but that don't mean you can't be you can't still sustain sure. a certain lifestyle yeah or you can't still reach a certain point uh within this industry and i think that's well, a lot of people get confused because of TV. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, if I'm not doing it like that, then I'm not successful. But nah, that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's plenty of successful people that um, not on TV or not on the radio. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this one. If you are and you want to hear some more uh, hip-hop wisdom, go back in the archives, check out my interview with Peanut Butter Wolf. He's the founder of... Stones Throw Records, which has brought you um, some of the most important underground records of the last decade or so. And he's also a great DJ, and he's just really got some great stories to tell. Peanut Butter Wolf on Rebel Radio. But now let's finish up with Big Pooh. So how are you defining success for yourself moving forward? Uh, success for myself is to not have to go get a nine to five and punch a clock okay. and to continuously be able to work for myself. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's success for me, man. Like, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't want for much, you know, as long as I got that roof over my head, and food in the fridge, and I can go take a vacation or something. Um, but even now, just, you know, when I'm now I'm dealing with somebody else's career, mm-hmm. for me, it, it's changing a little because now I want success for them. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the more success they have, the more success I have. So, is that a different kind of pressure, or how is yeah. like, how do you, how do you approach being somebody else's manager, 
differently than you approach your own? Um, you you have to look at you have to look at the big picture, but you have to be more finite in how you look at it. Okay. Um, because now you you have someone else's this is someone else's career, someone else's livelihood, and I have to treat that delicate more delicately than I would even treat mine. Sure. Because it's not mine. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's that's how I look at it. It's like, you know, luckily I made a lot of mistakes on my own, so I won't make them here. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I won't make any mistakes, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to make those. those mistakes. So it's one of the things, and I tell them all the time, like, look, I, this can be better than what we had. Like, the go, I don't, I wouldn't mess with you if I thought you were just going to reach the heights I reach. Like, mm-hmm. I did that. Like, let's, I want, I want, to mess with you because I think you could go way further than I ever went. Mm-hmm. That's the point. So, um, you know, I, I think it just helps because I've done certain things. So it's like I can, I'm figuring out how to motivate him differently and, and do those different things. But, you know, it's just a delicate situation because you don't want to, you know, obviously I can't want it more for him than he wanted for himself. Sure. But, I still have to treat it with care because it's someone else right. as opposed to me. I could do something like, man, you know what? I don't care. I ain't coming back to this town. I, I talk I talk to promoter. I want to. I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, right. Now, I, now even, even in my suit, like for me, I can't do that. It's like I can't do that dealing with me because I'm thinking about him. For sure. And I don't want what I did thinking about me to come back to bite him in the butt. So um, it's definitely made me more cognitive of that. And just you know, just learning how to will and deal it, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we you know we working it out. Sure, yeah. And so, do, are you gonna continue making your own music, or is that? It it comes and goes, man. Yeah. It's it's more of an inspiration thing. Like, you know, I, I battled with it for a while. Um, I took um, my guy Loot on as a client at the end of 2015, and we spent most of 2016 working on the deals for for the label. And I battled tremendously with, like, making music still because it, it's the perception thing. It's like people are like, oh, man, you uh, got somebody that's managing you and they out trying to be a star. It's like, nah, it's right. not about trying to be a star. Like, yeah. them days have passed me by. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just enjoy making music. Like, it's a part of me. I can't yeah. just be like, ah, oh, I don't make music. No more. Like, no, it's a part of who I am. It's a part of my, my DNA. Mm-hmm. So it's going to happen. I don't make it in abundance as I used to, but it still happens. So whenever the move hits, I do it. But for the most part, like, I told him, like, my I prioritize it where he comes first. So if it's something that he needs to be doing or I need to be there for him to do, then I'm going to be there for it. In the meantime, between time, I still got to pay mortgages and car notes sure. and all that stuff. So I got to do what I got to do. Yeah. But that's also where having a business partner come in hand because if if I may not physically be able to be there, he will because I don't need him with me anymore. Right. Like I've got to, I can do me by myself. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's 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 the thing when I wrestle with trying to decide if I wanted to still make music and or how would it look. And then I had to think, well, like, ah, who cares what people think? Like all these rappers artists out here with record labels and that's right. more that's even worse <laughs> like, sure. so yeah. you got people signed to you and you trying to maintain your star mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so um once i got past the perception part of it i was like you know what and, and he didn't have a problem with it as long as i was there to do what i needed to do for him yeah. and at the end of the day that's all that mattered i was like you know if you have a problem with it, we'll figure it out. But if you don't have a problem with it, and you know you trust I'm going to be there and do what I need to do for you, then we good. And he was like, nah, we good. So That's cool. Yeah, so I was out on tour pulling double duty. I was <laughs> clear, helping clear samples and right. getting on stage every night. That's funny. <laughs> so are you, um, did you kind of come to all that on your own, or did you have mentors? I know you mentioned mentoring a lot of people. Do you have mentors along the way? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, you know, my manager, though, he's a big mentor of mine. Uh, then I have uh, my man, uh, Ty, that's in a, uh, A&R at Aftermath. Okay. Um, Focus was a producer over Aftermath. 
Um, in the beginning, Bun B, you know, helped me out a lot, mm -hmm. just um, having conversations with him. And so those, those kind of been like, you know, my mentors and, you know, it's different people I talk to about different things, but um, the main person has probably been, you know, my business partner, Doe, mm -hmm. helped me out a lot, like a lot, tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you, what do you tell the guys that you're managing about uh, partnerships having gone through what you've gone through? I don't, I don't, I don't say much about it. <laughs> I mean, some things you got to learn on your own. Yeah. You know, uh, I told my guy, I said, the main thing is I'm here for is to, uh, so I can advise you. Yeah. I can give you the pros, I can give you the cons, but you're going you're gonna to make the decision you want to make at the end of the day. All I can do is present you the facts. Mm -hmm. And whichever way you go, I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to give my 120%. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be some I told you so's. It's gonna get laid out from time to time, but <laughs> we gonna do we gonna do it. This is your career, you know what I'm saying? Is so, and that's the way I was taught. It's like you know I made some wrong turns, and my guy was right there with me, giving yeah. it his all. And then if it didn't work out, he's like, "Hey, I told you, I, 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 I told you it wasn't gonna work." Sure, but you know, but you gotta you gotta let them learn on their own. You know, in that aspect, they won't never be alone, but you got to let them learn on their own. So I told him, I was like, look, man, you know, if you want to do certain things or, you know, link with certain people or whatever, let's talk about it. And then you make your decision after being informed and then it is what it is. Let's go to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to protect your interests at all costs, but I'm going to let you, you know, steer the ship the way you want to go. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, I have a little uh, kind of a lightning round okay. that I like to do. Um, so if you can go back to when you're starting out and, you know, and give one piece of advice to your, to let's say your 18 year old self, what would you say? Ooh, uh, I'll probably tell my 18 year old self to work on confidence. Okay. <laughs> work on your confidence a lot quicker. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a while to, to, to get confident in, in myself. Um, took was, me a long time. Do you remember moments where that took like leaps and bounds? Or I remember the like moment. Yeah. I remember the moment. The moment is when I put out my first solo album, Sleepers. And I remember hearing, um, before I put it out, like I was working on it. It was just me and uh, Producer Crisis. It was, it was basically like both our coming out parties. And I, I was just, I was working on the record. And nobody really knew what I was working on. They wasn't really hearing anything. And then I remember sending it to all of the people I felt was important to send it to just to get their feedback. And I remember hearing some feedback. People was like, oh, that should just be a mixtape. Oh, this should be this, that. So at that moment, like, you know, I, that was my defining moment. It was like I could cower mm -hmm. and do what they said or I could push forward. And I decided to push forward. And at that time when I pushed forward, I didn't even care about the outcome of the record anymore. Mm -hmm. It was like I made a breakthrough. Like mm -hmm. I done stopped worrying about what other people thought. I mean, you still think about it, sure. but you don't worry about yeah. it. And you and you go and do what you want to do. And once I, once I decided to push forward, and then after hearing all of the feedback, after pushing forward from people outside, and it was like, yeah. I made that breakthrough. That was that confidence breakthrough I needed. Just just by putting it out. Forget what the numbers right. say and all that. Just right. by putting it out, I accomplished um, something that um, I didn't see me doing a year before. That's amazing. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Is there uh, is there a talent that you always wish you had more of? Yeah, athletic. <laughs> Shows more of an athlete. Yeah. Um, I love sports, man. That's... You know, I tell people, you know, I love music, and 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 God gifted me with a talent to be able to make music, and and uh, but sports is where it's at for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't. We used to get into town, and people they want to go record shopping and learn about samples. I didn't care about none of that stuff, man. I I pretty much still don't. Right. <laughs> like, put a game on. Okay. Let me read some sports news. Let me figure that out. I'm, I'm that all day. So I, would, I definitely wish I was more athletic. That's funny. Well, 
that might lead us to the next one. But what other career would you choose? Um, I would probably work within the sports industry. Yeah. I would do something in sports. Like, you know, goal of mine always, I mean, it'd be tough to get into at this point in my life, but it was to work within the organization, um, football or basketball. Um, and then it turned to wanting to work talking about sports. Like, I wanted to do my own best damn sports show, period. Oh, cool. Um, so either that or, or cooking. Like, I love oh, okay. cooking. So I wanted to do something with food what's, uh, other than eat it. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, what's the go-to dish? What's, uh, your, what's your best dish? What is my best dish? Um, I don't even know what my best dish is. I, I like to bake, so my okay. my... No, my best my best baking dish is a uh, is a toffee crunch um, butter pound cake. Oh damn! Yeah, that sounds good. A caramel toffee crunch pound cake. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's not paleo. No, not um, at all. <laughs> so if I if I worked for you, I was on your team, whatever. Uh, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Can I cuss? Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> that's that's probably one of my favorite words. Like I just, everything is shit. Like oh, oh oh man, come on. Like I it's one of, like I'm 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 a pretty even kill guy. Uh-huh. But uh you you'll probably hear shit, man, come on a whole bunch. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's good. Um who would you be most excited to learn was a fan of your work? Unfortunately he isn't here anymore but Prince. Like I was a big Prince fan, like, yeah. and it was for me. It was more from the aspect of his songwriting. I I loved his songwriting. Um, I loved the fact how he would write something, but it was layered. Mm. And and if when when I was younger, obviously I didn't know about layers and songs, so I just hear it for what it was. But as I got older, you start to realize like, okay, this song really meant this, and it meant that, not this. And so, um, probably Prince. What's your favorite Prince record? My favorite Prince record is probably Adore. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. Man, I was so that was the first concert I ever went to was Prince, without my parents. I went to, um, I was I got to see Prince at the Forum when uh, he did them seventeen shows for okay. twenty five dollars. Nice. That probably was the best concert experience I've yeah. had in my life. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so I went to the Controversy tour. Ooh. When I was ten, and it was the greatest thing in my life. Like, 10? Yeah, yeah, 10 years old. <laughs> I, I just thought that uh, it was the coolest thing. Like, I grew up three years that night. Yeah, man. You know, just seeing that live, and it was unbelievable. That, I, I I've believe seen it. a bunch since then, but. I but, believe that's, that's that's peak Prince right there. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, that record for me, that's the whole thing. Um, What's your favorite city to travel to? Uh, L.A. Okay. Yeah, I love LA, man. Me and Eric was actually just talking about it. Like, I thought about moving out here, um, but <clears throat> it's a good place to live. What I realized was, if I lived here, I wouldn't work as hard mm-hmm. as when I visit here. Okay. Because I'm a homebody when you I'm get at home. Concentrated. Yeah, and when it's yeah. concentrated, it forces you to really go for it, as opposed to like if I lived here, I would hardly come outside because. It's home. Like, when I'm home, I like to be home. And I right. I think that's why being in North Carolina is good for me because it's not industry there. Mm-hmm. Even though things go on, I don't mm-hmm. really have to come out and be rapper Big Pooh in North Carolina. That's cool. What do you collect? Nothing. No. Nothing. I really don't. I, that, weird. Like, I'm a sports fan. I don't have a lot of sports yeah. uh, memorabilia. Uh, I used to collect CDs, but... Is there, like, a favorite uh, sports item that you have in the collection? Nope. No. <laughs> no. You wouldn't even think I was a sports fan if you walked into my my little office. I think that's, like, the grown man answer that, like, I'm hearing is, like, not collecting stuff. It's kind of... I, I think it kind of has to start early mm-hmm. when you, when, like, becoming a collector. Like, if you don't start it early... And I would I was on that path like I had uh, cards, uh, collectors cards, uh-huh. and I had like baseball, baseball. Well, I had basketball, football cards. Okay, and I had a big giant plastic tub of cards, and my brother took them, sold them, 
so he could do God knows what with him. And after, like, I was so distraught. Like, I was like, I, I won't, I can't even start over. Like, I had Shaq rookie cards, yeah. David Robinson rookie, like, all, like, back to, to then, like, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And it was hundreds of them. And he took them and probably sold them to start his drug business. So, and it was a wrap. Like, I, Ever since then, I and I probably I think that scarred me yeah. to me not wanting to really collect anything. I used to collect shoes, but I got bored of that. The uh-huh. um, uh, like I said, CDs. I, I still, but it's you know trying to go buy. It's not it's not the same experience anymore. So yeah, I'll just friends of mine or whatever. Like I'll go buy their CDs and mm-hmm. it just be wrapped. I don't even unwrap them. <laughs> hey, cause I don't, I got Apple Music, so exactly. you yeah, know. I mean, it's not. I just buy them for like support. Yeah, sure. yeah. Are you a reader? What's What's the last great book you read? Um, well, I was reading the book actually on Hitler. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I used to read way more than I do now, but I like biographies, autobiographies. I like books like that. So, okay. um, I was reading the book on Hitler. Don't Which ask. One? I can't remember what it's called. It's it's thick. It's real big i don't i would think i was in barnes and nobles and i don't know why i picked the book up like i used to go sit in barnes and nobles for hours and just yeah, read sure. different books and then yeah. figure out which one i wanted to take and actually finish and i did that with a with a hitler book and um i was like why did i get this book i don't know but it's interesting <laughs> okay what movie do you think you've seen the most Ooh, it's probably the life Eddie Murphy and oh. Martin. Oh, Life. Life, yeah. Okay. Or. I forgot about that movie. Um, See so Scarface a lot. Uh huh. Um, man, what's that movie I watch every time I come on? Ah, I can't remember the name of it. This is, this is definitely a question I would never think about, but it's, it's a couple movies I have that anytime I see them on, I probably watch them like I've never seen them before. But life, death, when it, if I see it's on, I'm yeah. I'm stuck. Yeah, I'm stuck for that hour and forty minutes or whatever it is. Okay. And uh, who's your favorite DJ of all time? Jazzy Jeff. I love Jazzy Jeff. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, yeah. I never knew a party could be done like the way he do it until I saw him do it. Like you got a party where you cutting and scratching and bringing records back mm-hmm. and people still party. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, I've seen him do it many times. It's amazing. It, it's definitely an experience. Yeah. Dope, man. I appreciate you doing this. With wow, me. man. Thank you for it's having fun. me. It's fun. It's definitely fun. Um, how, so how's everybody find Big Poo online? Oh, man, I'm on social media sometime. Uh, rapper Big Poo. Do you mess it? You handle your own social media. I handle my own social media. Is it? Um, uh, how does it change the game for you connecting with fans? I don't know. To be honest with you, I mean, I'm not. I'm not as active as some people are, sure. and I used to get fussed at a lot about that. Um, me, me and my, me and my, uh, my business partner, we used to go like have the most serious arguments about social media presence because yeah. I'm just a firm believer in. I'm not at the level where my privacy is evaded. Okay. So yeah. I, I love having my privacy. And um and I don't live online. I don't live in the online world. Like right. if I want to talk to you, I'll call yeah. you or text you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so being online is almost like a uh it's an alternate world for mm-hmm. me. And people feel like they can just say whatever they want to say. Like I've somebody early on Instagram, I put up a picture of the In-N-Out burger sign, and they was like, oh, man, you shouldn't be eating that. Don't be weak. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bro, get off my page with that shit. <laughs> like, I, man, I'm grown as hell. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? If I yeah. want to have a burger, I'm going to have a burger. Like, yeah. and, and But stuff like that agitate me. <laughs> so, For sure. um, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I engage more when I'm on the road mm-hmm. than when I'm home. Mm-hmm. When I'm home, it's almost like it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. When I'm on the road, it's like a part of me. So, um, but it is me responding. Every now and again, I'll do, you know, ask me a question, and I'll mm-hmm. do that for, like, hours mm-hmm. and just answer people's stupid-ass questions. I mean, some people have good questions, but most of them be stupid. Do you yeah. like bologna sandwiches or ham sandwiches? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's cool because it makes it fun yeah. instead of having 800 little brother questions. Right. But, uh, 
Um, but it's me, um, Facebook, Rapper Big Poo, one, the number one. Okay. Instagram, Rapper Big Poo, Twitter, Rapper Big Poo. Cool. And if it's any other social media sites and people say I'm on it, they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> I have a tough time with the three I have. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> All right, that's it with Rapper Big Poo. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes, a comment on Facebook, Twitter. Check out our new YouTube page, youtube.com slash rebelradionet. And uh, most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. We're going to shift gears. We're going to talk to a dude that's building a really innovative and interesting new luggage brand. Um, so we're talking about brand building, technology, all kind of crazy shit next week on Rebel Radio. Peace. <laughs>